Uh, Today's scripture comes from Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. Please stand for the reading of God's word. On one occasion, an, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So, too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. That was a wonderful offering song. Um, It was more awesome because after they were done, I think Christine had like the biggest smile as she was walking downstage. I hope it's bigger during your wedding. (laughs) Anyway, it was very good. Um, Rie Manava Kim is, uh, she introduced herself, but she gave a little bit of an introduction on what Perspectives is. This is something our church couldn't provide. Kenny was last year's mission deacon and Hannah's this year's mission deacon. And we've always wondered how we can prepare teams as they go on mission trips. And we, we've realized that we are limited in resources. Perspectives is just amazing because here they are, 16 weeks, uh, giving us this preparation. And like she said, it's free for the first two. Um, there's more information in the back. I plan on going, uh, I think, on the second time. But I think they also offer college credit. You're going to have to check with your uh, school but they offer for sure in a lot of seminaries in Nyack College as well. But it, they might offer credit in your colleges. So please check with her if you're interested, especially if you're interested in going overseas missions. It's just a wonderful opportunity that we have. This was in the heart of every missions team and deacon that we had. And here we have this opportunity. And the second thing I wanted to mention was, or re-mention is, right after our service we are going to have a potluck. So I know a lot of us have come hungry. We're very excited. Even if you don't have anything prepared, please come and eat. Um, 
somebody asked me today if I brought anything, and I said, I brought the inari, inari kimbap. And they said, did you make it? I was like, no, I asked my mom to make it. And they were a little disappointed. But my, I, last year, I brought meatballs, and no one liked it, so decided, I decided to go pro this time. But we have a lot of good dishes. Please come and join us for fellowship. This wasn't mentioned before in the announcements, but there is kind of like an ugly sweater contest. I have something I'm wearing, so please, I don't want to be alone, so please wear something. And here we go. This is our sermon on love. Merry Christmas, everybody. (laughs) I said Merry Christmas to someone, and they said to me, oh, not yet. And I was like, what do you mean? I was thinking in my head, what is it, like New Year's? So I have to count down until it hits 12 o'clock, and then I have to yell Merry Christmas? Or is Merry Christmas a season? It's a time where we remember what Christmas is about. So why don't we practice that? Merry Christmas. Christmas is a season. So why don't we turn to our neighbor and just say Merry Christmas as we continue. We've had four weeks of Advent and our last theme is on love. Love is probably the most powerful force that we are aware of in this universe. Uh, It's more powerful than death, as we have learned. But what is love in the Christian view? What is love? I remember when I was younger, in my 20s, I had this conversation with a friend of mine. And she had a very strong belief that when you have kids... The reason why our generation, our generation was so messed up is because as immigrant parents and families, all our parents did was pour out into the children. They poured out all their love to us. They worked tirelessly night and day for their children. And we are the result of that with incredible amount of pressure, burden. If I didn't get an A, it didn't count. I don't know if I I told this story in youth group. I mean, I love my mom. She made me the inari gimpa. But when I was younger, and uh, I remember doing well in school all the time. If you look at my, I never show yearbook photos because I look like a total dork. But I remember one of the hardest classes I had was French. Languages were really, really difficult. And I took this test for the first time in French, and I got a 91. I was so proud. I brought home my 91, I showed it to my mom, she looked at it and slapped me right across the face. I was like, whoa, no more 91s. Anyway, but I don't know if you guys were also in that kind of pressure, but our parents really did work hard. And so here, the result, as we were growing up, getting married, having children, reading books about marriage and children, We were saying, you can't, well, she was saying, you can't pour out all your love to your children. What happens then is they become the epitome of your life, the reason why you live. And because of that, they will be skewed and your life will be imbalanced as well. And then I was listening to it and I was kind of like, hmm, that's a good point, but I'm not sure. So then I asked her, well... If you can't love your children as the ultimate thing, you know, let's talk about what is love. What is love? And then she rolled her eyes at me because you're not supposed to ask that question. Okay? In, in fact, if you say what is love, 
the only thing that comes to most people's mind is, baby, don't hurt me no more. And you can't ask that question, what is love? Because apparently it's already been defined. But has it? Do we really know what love is? And are we showing it once we know it? And so here we have a lawyer going up to Jesus asking the question. Well then, what is love if I have to love my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? He wanted to define it. Why? Because he wanted to justify himself. And so here Jesus starts. But that's the question first that we need to ask ourselves How do we lead a life of love as we enter into the story? How do you lead a life of love? Do you lead a life that is godly? Is that how you describe love? Do you lead a life that is against sin? Is that the life of love that defines you? Or do you think that if I say you should be against sin, it's just about keeping rules? You know the Bible? It's all about rules. There's so much rules. There's no love in that. But then if you continue to read the Bible, you see that more than rules, the Bible is anti-sin. It doesn't like sin because sin has the opposite agenda of love. And so a priest comes by after a man is being robbed He was left for half dead. If you know anything about the area, Jerusalem was on the mountaintop. Jericho was 1,000 feet below sea level. Jerusalem is 3,000 feet above sea level. So you have 4,000 feet of altitude that you're climbing down from. It's a mountaintop you're coming down from. There's a lot of valleys, a lot of hills. It could be dangerous. So on on this Jericho road, Lots of times there were robbers, there were thieves, murderers, people with ill intent, like sin, out to get us, right? And this person was left for half dead. A priest comes by, looks at him, and then goes around. A Levite comes by, looks at him, and goes around. Both of these men have something in common. Both of these men were officers of God of God's people, I should say. They were officers of God, excuse me, of God's people. What were they in charge of? They were in charge of helping the needy. If you look at all of Deuteronomy, all of the first five books of the Pentateuch, they were in charge of helping the needy. But both neglected that principle. They both neglected the principle that to obey is better than sacrifice. They could have thought that the man was dead, so they didn't want to come near him. Why? Because if the man was dead and they touched him, they would not be able to go to the worship ceremony for seven days, as was such the law that was written. So what does that teach us? Well, first of all, from these two, we can see that love has consequences. Love has consequences. Love will not let you stay comfortable. Love will not let you stay comfortable. So what Jesus does is Jesus attacks the complacency of the comfortable. We can see what love is just looking at this passage, and I see three things. And the first one is love is compassion. Second one is love is sacrifice. And the third one is love is commitment. So compassion, 
sacrifice, commitment. Compassion in the Greek is splanknizomai, splanknizomai. And splanknizomai has occurred about 12 times in the New Testament, but splanknizomai has a literal translation to it. That means our guts. The guts is moved. And so when you have compassion, that means your innards are moved. Literally, it means your lungs, your kidneys, your stomach is moved. When you see something and you have compassion because of it, your innards are moved. And do you have compassion when you see the needy? When you see someone that is in need, are your guts moved? Do you have compassion? Because that is what love is. That, was, that is what the Bible calls us to have. How far does your compassion go? And Jesus, if we look in the Bible, had compassion. The word compassion is used even when he saw people that were hungry. So he fed the 4,000. Look it up. It uses the same word. He saw the 4,000 that were hungry and he had compassion. And he goes, feed them. There's a story that um, I tell some of the college students when they're worried about giving too much. And it's not a perfect story, but I think it proves the point. And the story goes like this. Uh, there was a panhandler in the subway, someone begging for money. And as someone was begging for money, he came across these two friends. And one of the friends reached in his pocket and gave him money. And then the panhandler, the beggar, thanked him, and then he went away. And his other friend saw this and said, Dude, don't you know that he's just going to use it on drugs and booze? And then his friend replied, yeah, but weren't we going to use it on that anyway? Anyway, that was for the college students. But I'm not condoning anything. It's like, whoa, P.U. said, anyway, in this story, there was this back. But what we like to do, what we like to do is we like to justify ourselves in thinking that the way I use my money, the way I use the things that I've been given is better than the way you use it. That's what happens. So we put ourselves on this pedestal. I am better than all these other people. So I make that judgment. And I'm going to say, you can have and you can't have. You can have and you can't have. What Jesus does, he breaks it all down. And he says, you give, period. You have compassion, period. And that first would blow you away. Second one is sacrifice. By getting off the animal he was riding, he was also, the Samaritan was also risking his safety. Love is about risk. If there is no risk, I have to wonder, do you love? Because if you always take the comfortable road, do you love anything else besides yourself? It ruins your schedule because if you are on an animal, if you're going somewhere, that means you have a schedule that you needed to keep. And you need to go somewhere. How many times when we had to go somewhere did we erase all our surroundings because we did not want to be bothered? I have a schedule to keep. But love is taking sacrifice. It's about risk. Is there risk in your life? And sacrifice is also getting bloody and dirty. It means reaching down into places that you would not normally reach down to. It means getting uncomfortable 
to a massive degree where you have to get off. And can you imagine? You have to get off the animal you're riding and you have to somehow pick a grown man up who's half dead that can't move and put him back on the animal? How much stress, how much strength must, must you have, have spent? How, how dirty would you have gotten to do that? And how, how vulnerable must you have been? Last one is commitment. Commitment is more than a feeling. It's a promise. It's a vow. Love is a vow. Vows will give feelings a chance to grow deep over time. I'm not saying love isn't a feeling. It's part of it. But it's not just a feeling. You have to have commitment. Commitment will let those feelings grow deep and take roots so that your love will grow for one another. There's a famous passage in the Bible that many, many people that get married use, and that's 1 Corinthians chapter 13 about love. Love is this, love is this, love is patient, love is kind, right? And it goes on. But if you look at it, Paul wasn't talking simply to married or going to be married people. If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, chapter 11, chapter 14, he is addressing the church. He is saying, commit yourselves to one another. In Ephesians, we learn that we are to be subject to one another. We are to love each other. That means in this church, in this congregation, we are to commit to one another. But we are afraid to commit. Perhaps it's because we do not know how to love. Maybe we are afraid. Afraid of disappointment. We're afraid to disappoint ourselves or perhaps others. Afraid of losing too much. Oh, I give more and I don't receive as much. Afraid of being hurt. If I put myself out there, I can become too vulnerable and too weak, and that's just stupid. In the Bible, it tells us perfect love casts out all fear. Jesus is commanding us to love in a way that no one had known before. I've read this story many times. I listened to many sermons about this growing up as a child. And there was one question that I had. And the question is, why is the protagonist Samaritan? I've always wondered. Because if I talk about a good movie or a good TV show, I, I'll ask someone, do you relate to the protagonist? How can you relate? If you were a Jew at the time, listening to the story, why would you pick the Samaritan as the protagonist, as the hero of the story? I cannot relate to that. So what Jesus does is he reverses by doing this. What he's doing is he's reversing the question on the lawyer. The lawyer is asking, who is my neighbor? And after Jesus spoke, the question became, who was the neighbor? Because can you really relate to the protagonist. 
Jesus compels the lawyer to give, <clears throat> excuse me, to give a reply very different from what the lawyer wanted to give. We can see that in the narrative. He wanted to justify himself, but by doing this, he pushes him up against the corner. See, if the protagonist was a Jew who found a Samaritan on the road, we can say, if I made the story, I would be something like someone that we can relate to. And for in this story, if you were trying to tell it to a first century Jewish person, I would say, this was a Jew. And then after the story, we would say, see, even the Samaritan on the road, that person, that enemy of yours, that person that you hate, that is your neighbor. But if I told the story that way and I flipped the two, I doubt that the lawyer would have been moved. You know what we can do? You know what we can do? We can listen to these stories all day. And we can say, oh, yes, 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 yes. I should help those in need. I get it, I get it. And not be moved. By reversing the roles, Jesus is essentially asking the lawyer, who was the neighbor to you? If he was dying on the road, would it matter who came and saved you? Even if it was a Samaritan Wouldn't you want to be saved? So there is only one answer to the question. It is my enemy, the Samaritan. He is the hero of the story. You know, splachnizomai is mentioned over and over. Compassion is mentioned in the Bible. But it's only used once for the Samaritan and every single other time splunknismai, compassion is used. It's used because Jesus felt compassion for the people that he was with. All other occurrences referred to Jesus because we were once enemies of God. Because of sin, we were beaten, we were battered, we were left bloody. In fact, we weren't just left near death, we were dead in our transgressions. Jesus, the only Son of God, dismounted, descended from his throne and came to us in our darkest time. He showed us what love is by dying it, by living it, and by rising again. Jesus' final statement is perfect then, just like his life was. Go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. This Christmas season is about going and doing likewise as Jesus did. It's more than just being merry as the world would prescribe it to be. It's about living as Jesus did. And do we have opportunity to do so? And I dare say, yes. Every time you go to work, every time you come back, every time you travel into Manhattan, every time you get on that road, do you have splunknismai? Do you have compassion for the people that you meet in the malls even? Or we are just worried that when it opens at 7 a.m., I better get there, I want to get what I want to get. Let me close off everything and let me get tunnel visioned and just do what I need to do. Or do we have the heart of Jesus this season? And my prayer is that our church would. Why? 
because he showed it to us first. We didn't deserve it. In fact, no one would have blamed the priest or Levi if they just continued along the road. They would have said, I understand. You didn't want to get dirty. It's okay. But Jesus comes and he teaches us what love is. It is getting dirty. It is getting down where you are from to help those that are in need. It is compassion. It is sacrifice. And it is commitment. Let us also go and do likewise. Let's pray. And as we pray, I just want to invite you into a time of prayer yourselves. Even though all other occurrences of splanchnismai, of compassion, would refer to Jesus, he is commanding his people, go and do likewise. That means we are to also have compassion. Let's pray that Jesus would increase our compassion for one another, for those outside of these walls, for those that are in need. Let's pray. ask that you would forgive us if our hearts have been hardened before where we did not have the compassion you had for us but Lord we ask that you would change our hearts and make us new today help us to remind it that the compassion you poured out to us is an incredible compassion that the Son of God's guts would be moved as He looked upon us. And so we also want to have a heart that is like yours. Break the hearts of stone. Break our hearts so that it can be more like yours, God. Mold it. Make it just to be like yours. And in this season, help us to truly celebrate Christmas by being like you, God. So we lift up our hearts to you now. Let it be hearts filled with love. Let it be hearts that are filled to give love. In Jesus' name we pray.